Hello and welcome to Duelist Unity Raw, episode 12. I am you, here for you, as you, letting go more and more of the idea that I'm not you, which somehow is the most freeing thing that I've ever experienced in, in my entire life and starting to get a little bit trippy, honestly, day to day and uh, relaxing into the reality of it and not fighting it so much anymore has been a uh, fun experience. So I'm glad that I'm able to talk about it as much as I am and that you're here with us, interacting with us, informing each and every one of these episodes, whether you ask us a question or listen to it, just happen to happen to stumble upon this years down the road. I appreciate you. Likewise. And while we're on that topic, I just wanted to say that I don't need to convince you of anything. I have nothing to prove to you. I have no reason to keep you here chatting with us. There's nothing I'm getting out of this except for the fact that I enjoy this conversation. But really, at the end of the day, you don't have to take anything out of this conversation. I really want you to know that, listener, because we have no vested interest in you believing us. We don't even believe us. We're just having the conversation, and the conversation is an opportunity to process things and grow a little bit and maybe have some insight that allows us to empathize with other people. But we're not trying to convince you of anything. And I think that's the most important part. And I just wanted to throw that in because, especially after Christmas, in a time when you might be thinking that you do have to convince other people of something that you've realized to be true, it doesn't matter if they've recognized it or not. It's still true. So, with all of that said, hope you enjoy this live stream that is Dualist Unity Raw. So, 12. All right. Here we go. Here we are. <laughs> This has been a fun week. I have to admit, it's uh, there's been a lot of really interesting conversations this week. Well, there are, there always are, but I guess it's. I was talking to Melissa about this the other day that uh, it's very much like training in Wing Chun. You know, when you train for hours and hours and hours, or or any martial art or anything really that requires a lot of physical effort, your your body just kind of gets rubbery <laughs> and limp afterwards, and. And what's funny is that you're still able to use it. You're just more relaxed because there's no tension left. I find that happens a lot week by week now that we're doing this full time. Like by the end of the week, I, I don't feel any tension at all. I'm not thinking about what I'm saying necessarily. It's just saying it and seeing where it goes. Whereas at the beginning of the week, there's always this, I guess, moment of hesitation before we start where it's like, right. I don't have anything to talk about. And I think about it for a second. And yeah, by the end of the week, that concern's not even there. It's funny. Yeah, it's almost like the the faith is built through experience throughout the week early on. It's like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Uh-oh. And by the end of the week, it's like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. And I haven't the entire week. So I have a plethora of examples of when I've been just fine going into that. And also just not knowing what's going to come out of my mouth when I start talking and being okay with that as well, because it's usually just that letting go 
of a desire for anything specific to come out and all of a sudden something comes out that you wouldn't have even known could have come out beforehand and you almost start surprising yourself and then as you get used to that it's like not something you can replicate by trying to which is kind of the the funny part of it and the bitch of it is that you can't you can practice being in the state of mind that allows for it to arise but not practice doing it actively which is a practice in just having faith in yourself and knowing it'll be fine and also not really worry you you also can't worry about whether it's going to be fine just happens and you know see where it goes basically <laughs> yeah and again it's a different type of intelligence and it's not that you don't occasionally say something that doesn't work out it's not that you don't make quote unquote mistakes but you roll with them you learn with them you don't take them personally the whole process of, of going through that is way easier as a result but it's interesting how often we we actually corner ourselves by thinking about the conversation that we're going into too much or thinking about what we want to get out of it too much or worrying about ourselves too much um, i was talking to one of our community members yesterday and she's visiting relatives um, and whereas normally there was some degree of conflict with that experience her experience this time has been more or less just eyes open not worrying about herself or her narrative or trying to get anything out of the people that she's with at the moment more or less just trying to see them so she's asking more questions about their life she's listening to more of their perspectives she's not in the way as much and so the experience has been radically different these people are talking to her more often right or or in greater depth they're opening up to whatever degree they can it's not like all of a sudden their whole life is transformed just because she's changed but there's a, enough of a shift where the experience is not what she would normally say the experience would be. And I think that's the point. We all do that, right? We get into this habit of, of reacting or responding a certain way to certain people. And we don't recognize that's not the only valid way to respond to that, right? That's not the only opportunity that like, that's not the only limited set of options that you have. There are other options, but they're hidden by how you see yourself. They're hidden by what you're bringing into the conversation. They're hidden by the narrative, what you're looking for. If you let all that go, and then all of a sudden your intelligence is just there with them, acting and trying to establish a bridge. And it's funny, we really do have to maintain those conceptual divisions and build them up and, and pay attention and focus on them because as soon as we relax, they all just melt away, right? Yeah, definitely. And and it's just fascinating how caught up in those loops and habits we can get. Like I definitely get caught up in them, especially around family. I think that's the most common place that I see it. And I've been noticing that being able to almost take a step back and recognize what you just said, like that I don't have to respond in the same way. I can respond completely differently and almost do it in each situation as if it's like a, a blank slate 
as opposed to do it with all of my thoughts of everything that's happened with, you know, people in my life and my idea of them that I have and the way they've always been and the way they've always acted. And as I let go of that and just respond to what I'm seeing in the moment with a degree of empathy, which can also be harder to have <laughs> around family, um, there, there's like all of a sudden it opens up the door to that sort of the infinite pathways that you can take as you, as you shift just a little bit, it's like, oh, I don't have to pick that option that I always have. I can pick something else. It's like, oh my God, there's, you know, millions of other ways I can respond as well. But when we're so caught up in that habitual response pattern, it's like, it's all we've ever known. And we don't even see that there could be potentially other options until we like make the choice in the moment to choose one different one, just anything slightly different than the way that we've responded in the past. And it opens up the door to all these infinite other options. And then we can see other options in those. And then it just gets a little bit more enjoyable to not be caught in those thought patterns so much. But I think initially it takes kind of a, an active choice to recognize the habitual pattern. You're like, oh, this is habitual. Oh, I can, I can pick just like anything else. And that can change everything moving forward. Even just accepting that the majority of what you do is habitual because your brain works that way. Like just accepting that changes the perspective on everything else. You start to watch for it a bit more just by accepting that it's happening. But it's funny that we'll actually resist that. No, no, it's not. I'm sure it's my choices. Right. But preferences are habitual and they, they wrap you up over time. You actually start to think they're you, that your opinions are you, but they're your opinions. You can change them. You can let them go. You can find other ones. They're not you. I think that's it. Right. But uh, changing our approach to people. We were talking about this yesterday on Patreon, I believe, about the day that I figured out my approach to Christianity could be different than it was. And uh, I'll tell the story here because obviously not everybody's on Patreon, though I do encourage you to join us if you can. It's an awesome experience, definitely worth the $5 a month. Um, so my wife, Melissa, had decided one day because some Christians had come to the door at home that she was going to send them to me at work. And she's like, hey, my husband loves to talk about God. Why don't you go see him at his job? And so, and so they did. One of them stayed in the car and the other lady came in the store and she was quite nice, enjoyed talking to her. Um, but she said, hey, your wife said, you're interested in talking about God. And she had her Bible clutched in hand. And I kind of had already had a long day and I didn't want to get into a religious debate I wasn't feeling that at all. And so instead, I, I said, well, instead of that, how are you doing? How's your day? To which she reflected on her day a little bit. And I mentioned about the difference between feeling like we're clear and able to enjoy the day, which she was at the time, 
because things were just kicking along, flowing for her, versus days where we find ourselves kind of bogged down in thought and doubt and fear, and nothing seems clear at all, and everything we seem to do, or everything we try to do kind of falls apart or ends up half-assed backwards, and it ends up causing us more of a headache, and we just get in our own way. And we just talked about that experience of being human. And we could relate on that. She's like, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I know those days. And, and so I said, okay, so on those days, it's almost impossible to see how we're all connected. It's almost impossible to, to appreciate life as a whole. So it would make sense that if we were going to talk about the experience of God, we should probably talk about the clarity with which we're trying to experience God. And she took to that conversation because it was relevant to her. It was based on how she was feeling. It was based on her experience in the here and now. And I wasn't trying to get her to believe anything so much as talking to her about a suffering that we all share. And that was a different experience, but it wasn't something I had planned. It wasn't something that weeks beforehand, I'm planning at, at home on the whiteboard thinking like, this is the strategy I'll take. This is what I'll say when they say this. That wasn't the case, right? It was very much just in the moment, this seems right, because I'm tired. And that was it. And the door was there, and not one that I had seen previously. And why? Because I had been too busy trying to convince people about my concept of God. Right? Or getting them to look beyond their own. I wasn't just asking them to be themselves. Right? Which is where insights always lie. So, yeah, just goes to show you. You don't, you don't know what the best conversation to have is until you're actually in it. Exactly. And I feel like holding on to any idea of what it should be or what the best conversation should be inevitably will lead to some frustration because it's never going to match your idea of what it should be. And so letting go of any expectations of the way it should go, or especially how the person's going to respond, will allow for it to flow much more I don't know, cleanly, I guess. But I, I'm kind of curious because I've been going through, I'll just say it's with a with a friend. Um, but how do you how do you deal with someone who asks for your advice or opinion on something and then doesn't listen to what you say and they just try and get you to validate what they initially thought about themselves? And so when you respond, not validating that, even with, when it's a negative idea of what they're going through or something they're suffering through, like, how do you manage that when it happens over and over and over and over again? So every time, almost every time they ask, it's like they're looking for confirmation of what they're thinking. And oftentimes you don't say what they're thinking. And they disregard what you're saying. And it's like, they don't even listen to you. And I get, I do my best, but I get frustrated by it. And I, so I'm curious, like how you handle that. Cause it, sometimes it feels like I'm bashing my head against a brick wall and the brick wall just obviously doesn't have ears cause it's a brick wall. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a really interesting question. I'm not sure where to, to come at that from. So on the one hand, there's the importance of recognizing that that's kind of 
how we learn is over and over and over going through this thing. Like I, I have a teenager. So I go through this exact cycle, but I've gone through this with friends. I've gone through this with a number of people because it's common. It's common. It takes us a long time to change. It takes us a long time to recognize our habits and our behaviors and do something about them if we even want to, right? Like that's the thing. And so I guess the first question I have would be, why is it frustrating to you? Is it because you feel somehow that not being listened to is invalidating the wisdom that you're trying to espouse? Or, or is it that uh, you're judging them for being the way they are right now? Yeah, tough pill to swallow, but definitely a bit of both, I would say. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and seeing it spelled out like that, it's like, yeah, I'm doing it to myself. Um, but I think... Doesn't mean it's not irritating. Yeah, I think a lot of it is like seeing the suffering that they go through constantly. Like it's always there. And then how they reinforce it on both ends. You know, that double-edged sword needing validation from others, other people like you, so that, you know, they get very high when someone gives them a compliment or validates their opinion or whatever. And then they come crashing down every time that rug is pulled out from under them. And it's all the time. I see it so clearly that it's both ends. And so it takes a lot for me to not always be like, careful careful. I know you got a lot of, you know, positive feedback on that thing, but that's the thing you have to let go of or else as soon as it gets taken away, you're going to be back into suffering. And it's happened so many times. And so I think that is a big part of the frustration is like seeing how it's just reinforced in almost everything that they do. And anytime I try to explain that, like, and sometimes I get worked up, but sometimes it's super calm and it doesn't matter. Like it, and it's just like how many times it's repeated. Yeah. So the question becomes, what do you want to do? <laughs> because you can't expect them to change. There's nothing wrong with what they're doing. It's not that they have to stop suffering. So think about free will, right? We can do whatever we want. It really comes down to our priority. So it comes down to you now. You can either speak up, say your, say your bit, regardless of how the chips fall. You can be silent, just fuck off, right? Or you can acquiesce to their demands and, and make the pit deeper for them. And it really just comes down to, what do you want to do? Because for me, in my experience, and I'm just saying from my experience, and I want to caution our listener that I have no, no problem burning bridges. None, because to me, I'm encouraging growth, kind of like a brush fire. So I will just say my piece. I will say, like, if I see what Andrew was just communicating, and there's some obvious danger to this person and I care about them and I care about people, I will often say something. Thus the podcast and all of my content, <laughs> right? 
but I don't expect them to like it. I don't expect them to take it in and I don't expect them to appreciate it whatsoever because again, most of the time we're not in that mentality. People will tell you, well, that's not very compassionate. Enable me. But every addict will tell you that. And so it really just comes down to you. Are you good with it or not? And if you're not, then speak up or again, just go do your own thing. You don't have to be involved, right? So you can say, and I've said this, do you want me to answer this or should I just leave this alone? Because people will start to know you after a while. After long enough of you being like this, as you are, people will start to recognize, maybe I just shouldn't ask Andrew this because I'm looking for, for validation. They'll know, but it takes some time for people to adjust around you. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. I think, because like I've taken different approaches and like, even when I kind of just ignore it, I'm like, I don't, I don't think like, do you want my honest opinion or no? They're like, yeah, then I will. And then it'll be like, they'll try and convince me that my opinion is incorrect. And then I just like, and then I've taken a bunch of different directions. I've got been like a oh, fucking a and explained how it's causing more of their distortion and suffering. I've ignored, I've ignored it and just been like, that's my opinion. I don't know. I just like literally walked away. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, I guess I'm just recognizing that there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. It's just always there and happening. But then again, like I'm causing myself suffering by getting frustrated about it and thinking they should be different when I have no control over that. But it's for a good reason, right? Like I expressed it as walking around, watching people punching themselves in the face. It's what it's like, right? And I've seen it a lot, a lot. Like, I don't know how much experience you've had with people going through um, abusive relationships or domestic violence or stuff like that, but people will stay in that shit for years. Like they will go back into this toxic loop over and over and over and over and you can talk to them you can try and reason with them they'll they'll listen and go yeah no you're absolutely right and then just go right back into it habit self-image it's incredibly powerful this is the entire reason i made discover transcendence the way i did was because i was trying to think of okay what are three behaviors of the brain that undermine us without us even knowing right identity be and, and habit those two things are so rough they're so rough and to anybody who's wondering what i'm talking about uh there's a video on youtube called discover transcendence it's 48 minutes i made it back in 2018 it's basically just a quick run through of how to get out of your own way without knowing anything really too complicated just recognizing that your brain is once again trying to be efficient and in doing so, it's cutting you off from creativity and awareness. So if you recognize that, just recognizing these behaviors of the brain will change your, your whole state of mind. But, but most people don't question those state of mind. Because again, like we actually start to think 
Well, this is just being human. Suffering is just being human. Everybody's going through what I'm going through, right? Look at the TV. Look at all these people. Look at the drama I watch. Look at the books I read. Look at, you know, all these people are going through this, this emotional turmoil. This is the human condition. So I, I, I'm not a big fan of that expression. Yeah, a lot of assumption and just settling on an answer, basically. It's like the saying, it's just, that's just the way it is. It's like, oh, it's not, doesn't have to be. But yeah, talking about abusive relationships, like I don't have a ton of experience talking to people about that, but I see this situation as an abusive relationship with yourself, with the idea of yourself. Like it's, yeah, it's not, you know, physically abusive, but it's a constant, like give and take up and down, like dealing with the same coin, just two sides of it all the time. It's like, you're always holding on to that coin. It's like, whatever way it flips is how you're feeling. It's like, you don't have any, it's like you're like, we've been talking about the subconscious a lot and, and that tree analogy I gave in in the last episode, it's like, you're existing on the tips of the branches being swayed by the wind in every way. Yeah. Like the wind being your environment, people's perceptions of you, like that's what's dictating where you're at at all times, as opposed to being settled in the trunk, recognizing that, you know, it doesn't have to take you up or down all around because they're just reflecting their own thoughts and like it has nothing to do with you. And even when they're not reflecting their own thoughts like they give a simple opinion of something it's like unless it fits the narrative you're telling yourself you won't take it and you'll you'll try and convince them to change their mind until it matches with what you're trying to or what you're seeing in yourself and it's like they can't even hear you they can't even hear you I think that, yeah. Mm. And and there's no one to save. Yeah. There's no one to save, right? Because again, like everything is permitted. That's the whole point. It's, it, it's that recognition that allows you to empathize. That's what makes religious fanatics so dangerous is the fact that they're out trying to convert everyone. They're trying to convince people of a mentality that, or of, a, of an idea that they themselves are clinging to out of confusion. Right. So the farther you go down this path of questioning yourself, the more you start to question why you're trying to convince anybody of anything. And that's why I went quiet for so long. That's exactly why I went quiet for so long. I was just like, Jesus, who am I trying to tell? Right? If it's all me, who am I trying to tell? And that one, it's a bitter pill because it's easier to want to tell other people. Right. You're just like, no, but if they get it, the world would be a better place it's like, if they get what? That there is no they? What are you trying to get across? And so I had to chew on that. So I just, I just took off for a bit. I'm just like, I, I need to, um, I really need to see what that means. And that's, I'm not saying that that's necessary any more than my time in the bush was necessary or anything else, but it is helpful to recognize that, uh, there's a lot of moving parts in all of this. And the parts that resonate or move like you do 
may not be within your immediate vicinity. It doesn't mean they don't exist. And that's kind of the reason that dualistic unity is what it is now. It's a collection of all these moving parts, kind of recognizing that we're still out there despite not being in close proximity within the rest of this machine, right? And so those parts are gonna to start to resonate and the collection of them will grow and eventually it will change the tide and everything else will change with it. But you can't just pick one person and go, but if only you could join our side, because you're still, you're still you know, looking at sides. You're still trying to change this individual person who isn't an individual person. And that changes everything. And it's frustrating as hell. Yeah, I think, I mean, this has been very helpful. Uh, I think I'm seeing more clearly that this is very much just caught up in the idea of myself that I got to let go. Like, it definitely is coming from a desire to validate the way I feel like I see things clearly. And like, there's a lot of egotism in that. I'm seeing that now. It's like, fucking A, that's fair. Because I... I I like, you know, I like talking about this stuff and I like not, it's not necessarily pointing out where someone's struggling is coming from, but it's kind of like being able to see it. I want to, I want to help, but it's like, I don't even fucking know what that means. I have an idea of what it is to help, but if I go about it in a way that's, rooted in me trying to validate the way I see myself as someone who sees things clearly. It's like, I'm very much reinforcing the idea of myself as something separate. And it's like, it's just a bitch how the ego is able to kind of claw its way back in so many different situations. And it can, it doesn't matter if you're trying to be helpful or trying to be harmful. Like it's, it can still come up in the same exact type of way and it can just reinforce that division and so then you're feeling frustrated in yourself and it's pulling you further from yourself and it's like going you know we're either going towards ourselves or away from ourselves. it's like it's just pulling you away from yourself and so it's like letting go of the need for anyone to see me in any sort of way because like it's still uh fuck still like rooted in that desire and and uh fuck uh yeah <laughs> god damn it i'm seeing that now that it's like uh it is extremely egotistical behavior to kind of think of yourself in a way that could even help someone like because that's hierarchical like i'm someone oh like what so andrew you're someone who fucking doesn't suffer it's like you fucking suffer motherfucker like to think that you could like oh you're so clear that you can just help other people not suffer so much it's like but i'm still getting frustrated by it so it's like as I'm trying to do something, I'm creating suffering for myself and going through the same type of thing that they're going through, not exactly the same, but a degree of the same thing that they're going through that I'm trying to help them with when in reality, I'm just trying to validate 
the way I see myself in, in a state of clarity. Oh, fuck. It's kind of like gross when you see it. <laughs> and, and it pushes uh, them farther, farther away from the mentality you're trying to get them to. Yeah. And that sucks. It sucks because again, it's well-intentioned. It's not that it's not well-intentioned, regardless of how it might be tied to you and, and, and all of that fun stuff. There, it is still coming from a place of empathy. You are still saying like, I could lie to you. That's not going to help. Right? And so you're saying things that they're not going to appreciate which is fine. It's just, it's fine. I do that all the time. I'm just letting you know, like, it's, that's, that's kind of my shtick. If you want to hear something you don't want to hear, <laughs> go and talk to Ray because I'll typically say it because to me, that is empathy. That is compassion, but I don't expect it to stick. I don't expect it to land. To me, it's just about not being part of the lie. That's all it is. It's for me, right? I'm not trying to change anyone. I just can't, I just don't want to do that in myself. Right? Because I know I, I have to sleep with myself tonight. Like I have to go to bed tonight knowing I just enabled you in your illusion, right? And then when it comes full circle, I'll be looking at myself going, man, I could have at least said something. So I, I'd rather just say something for the sake of, of at least just being honest. Just being honest, coming from empathy, like, well, this is, do you want to hear this? And I'll often ask people that now, do you, do you want to hear this? <laughs> because that's really important. And again, they'll get used to you after a while. They'll start to recognize you're not pulling any punches and it's out of empathy. Some people will appreciate that. I appreciate that for sure. And a lot of other people do, but not everyone, especially people who are still identified. People who are stuck in that loop don't want to hear that they're stuck in that loop. It's just one of those insights that we have to grow our way to. And trying to push people there doesn't work. So you kind of have to just be patient and focus on, again, the people who, who it does resonate with. Right? So don't beat yourself up and don't get dragged down by the people who don't listen to you because that'll just make it harder for you to be effective for the people who do. Yeah, I think there's like a, a degree of seriousness that I take with it too. And I think letting that go would help because it, it can get to a point where like if they just get annoyed by me, it's like that doesn't do any good either. It's going to happen though. You yeah. can't avoid that either, right? Yeah. See how the pendulum swings the other way? You're like, well, but if I don't upset them at all, eh, good luck. Good luck because they're in a mentality that's easily upset. There's nothing you can do. There's no winning is what I'm saying. You just have to watch it grow. You have to watch that person grow. That's all it is. And, and eventually that opportunity might be there if they feel safe around you. One day when they're feeling a little humble, they might be in the right mentality to hear your honest truth about something and go, huh, I never thought of it that way. And don't at that moment go, I have said this a thousand times. <laughs> like, don't, don't do that. 
it's super tempting i understand but don't because you're undercutting again the moment that you're in say it later like a week later after at insights taken root they're like wow my life is so different like, yeah right but not not in that moment where they're vulnerable and listening to you right remove yourself from that that conversation and just be there for that moment it's always miraculous you just have to have faith wait it out and, and recognize it's going to happen or it won't and it's not on you yeah definitely and i'm i'm seeing some of the comments here i appreciate uh them gonna add more suffering if you judge yourself for doing this andrew yeah definitely no don't worry i'm not i'm just like seeing i don't know i guess talking through it seeing more clearly what's actually happening and like the i don't think it's about i don't think the issue is saying my piece i think it's the frustration that i experience when they just ignore it or disregard it and keep suffering. And so I think my responses don't need to change as much as my expectation for them to listen to anything and and think that they should listen to anything. And yeah, it's just like, yeah, I think I think like the frustrating part is like saying something. And even if I don't get if I, if they don't listen and I don't get frustrated, then it's like a couple hours later, they're like bitching and moaning and suffering and, and struggling. And then they come back again. It's like fucking groundhog day every day. It's like, and they don't see the two sides to it. And I think just like understanding there's nothing wrong with that either. And almost seeing it as a, not a practice to like better myself, but a practice in letting go of my expectations of anything to happen in any specific way as if I know what the best way for it to happen. It could be that they just have to go back and forth on their own many, many times and not, not like get frustrated when they keep going back and forth and not seeing where it's coming from and like not imposing my opinion of the way I think it should be happening as I go. So yeah, this will, it'll make for a fun weekend. I think definitely this try friend. to find the comic <laughs> relief in it. Right? Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing. Like if you can recognize how many times in your life you've been a bonehead, how many times you've went around in circles, how many times you've went through the same repetitive pattern because you couldn't see it, right? You'd have a good chuckle at yourself, right? Not to their, to their face, obviously, but inside you can recognize like, right. And that's actually one of the things that, that helps in the coaching relationship as well, in the one-on-ones, for example. People have said like, I always feel lighter after having these conversations. It's like, right, because... I don't think it's as heavy as you do, right? I recognize this is just a process and I have faith in you. So when you tell me that you're going through, you know, intrusive thoughts or, or, or self-judgment or, or jealousy or, or any of those things, I know you're going to be okay. As long as you just have the will to just keep, keep looking at it, 
for what it is and not distract yourself, eventually you will change. Anybody who looks at their suffering long enough and wants to question it will eventually find a way to change it in some way or another, even if it's just their perception of what they're going through. So yeah, as long as you're just patient. And, and the, again, nothing says that you have to stay there for it either. This is also really important. Like if somebody continues to say the same thing to you each and every day, maybe just don't be there every day, right? That can kind of help, right? It's important to be patient with people. It's also important to be patient with yourself and recognize that beating your head against a wall does no good. Sure, being patient in case there's an opportunity is one thing, but waiting for that opportunity is something else, right? Like you don't wanna do that either. These people may never change. They may go all the way to their deathbed, exactly like this. They may even backslide over time and become even more egotistical. Don't pin your hopes on that. Don't pin your mood on them, right? Everybody's got a different journey. Everyone, what's important is your journey, what you're doing with it. Are you learning from what you're witnessing? Because that, that's really it. Everybody's, everyone is a cautionary tale. Yeah, I think that's, I haven't really thought of that perspective either, that I have things I can learn from it for myself as well, and just allow me to be more aware of what they're going through and doing and, and creating the suffering in their own life. And so, yeah, I think that'll, that'll give me some good uh, practice, almost like uh drills for the weekend <laughs> to uh yeah get some get some reps in recognizing that and and kind of allowing allowing it to be so yeah it's it's the feet up on the on the coffee table approach to changing the world right just take the effort out of it relax be yourself everything's working the way it works not going to say the way it should be just the way it's working that's all gone through this long enough to know just just try not to lose your balance that's all right and everything will work out over time i mean again I, i've seen <laughs> i've seen people that i've given up on 15 years later suddenly come full circle and go you know i'd like to talk about that now and see it changing You're like really now <laughs> kind of in the middle of something because <laughs> it always feels like oh the time is off because you're never you're never in the time and you're always thinking about it you're always trying to accomplish something there's always something behind all that so yeah yeah just accept them for who they are love them for the stage on the journey that they are establish some boundaries to protect yourself i mean to some degree from the emotional turmoil that goes with loving somebody who is going through this cycle of suffering because it's hard it is hard, I, and, and you know, sure, there's some ego in it, right? But there's also a lot of empathy. There really is. It's just that, and I like this expression, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's important to recognize that, that you can wanna help people so badly that you actually set yourself back and that helps no one. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even with this, with, with the frustration, it's like, I'm not even prioritizing my own experience. It's like in a convoluted way, I am prioritizing 
their experience, but they're, if they're not listening and I'm suffering, it's like everyone's fucking suffering. It's like no one's even being prior. You think you're prioritizing them. It's just like that you're not prioritizing yourself and you're suffering as a result even more. So, all right. I think we can, uh, we can (laughs) move, move from this topic. I'm really glad you brought it up. Like, I I want to say that it's, uh, it would be concerning if you didn't eventually have this conversation, right? Because we can get really passionate about the message, (laughs) quote unquote, anybody who's listening to this, I just did air quotes because the message is kind of funny to me. You are the message. It's not about the words. It's not about anything you have to say. It's not about any insight about unity or anything like that, though that's all part of it, sure. But it's you. How are you living? What's your experience right now? Because it changes everything. You don't have to be out there passionately trying to convert the world. We know what that does. Right? There are a lot of people still suffering from the trauma of residential schools. We know exactly what trying to convert the world does over time. This can't be that. We know what the consequences are. But feeling safe with one another, that's a different type of revolution. And it's a nonviolent revolution in the extreme. Like I said, feet on the coffee table type revolution. The kind that you know is just going to come to you. Because you're not adding to the strife. You're not adding to the conflict. And that's enough. That's enough. So before we go any further with this episode of Dualistic Unity Raw, I did want to say very quickly, because we've had quite a few of these recently, shout outs from other social media creators, just making videos, fun little uh, voiceover uh, bits that I, I was listening to yesterday, other stuff. And I just wanted to say to everybody doing that, Thank you. Thank you for the shout out to Dualistic Unity. Thank you for mentioning us on your blog or on your social media feed. Thank you for just mentioning us as a whole, because that's how this expands. Not through trying to convince anybody like, hey, Dualistic Unity is the best. If you're not listening to it, you know, you're not conscious. But hey, this kind of adds a little bit of joy to my life. You should check it out. I'd love for you to give me your opinion, because that opens up dialogue. Give me your opinion, even if it's, you know, derisive and angry and judgmental. I don't know what they're talking about. They sound crazy. Perfect. Let's talk about why they sound crazy. But there's a dialogue there. So you're just throwing seeds. And admittedly, this is how this grows as it becomes important to all of us. So if you're out there, you're on social media, you like making videos, maybe you you run a blog, could be anything. You want to mention dualistic unity, let us know. If we haven't noticed, send us a message on Discord or or reach out to us on, uh, on the DMs. That one's a little bit more tricky lately because we do have a lot of DMs coming in on social media, but definitely reach out on Discord. That's that's usually the best place to reach us. And, and that community is growing by the day. Um, so I, I just wanted to say that very quickly. Thank you for those shout outs. I did want to ask you, Andrew, we don't have a movie for next, next week's movie review. Um, I was wondering, do you still have your list of movies? I do, yes. What do we got on there? <laughs> Let me uh, let me get that. For everybody wondering, we do uh, movie review episodes now. We've done three, uh, four. The this week's is going to be out probably later today or 
at the latest tomorrow morning and it's on the movie Scrooged. So in the, in the, in the spirit of Christmas uh, starring Bill Murray, fantastic movie, a lot of symbolism, some great stuff for the conscious path. Um, it, it was a lot of fun to do. So we're trying to figure out what our next episode is going to be. What do you got, Andrew? Uh, all right. I got, I don't know, it looks like 15 or so on here. Uh, powder, Phenomenon, Stir of Echoes, Groundhog Day, Bicentennial Man, Donnie Darko, Next, 1984, The Night Before, The Number 23, Doctor Strange. I have seen the first one now. I have not seen the second one yet. Uh, Dogma, Mallrats, Inc., Bohemian, Bohemian Grove, and Tron Legacy. Powder. This powder. week it's going to be powder. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. I think you will enjoy that movie for sure. It, it, it's really well done. It's emotional. Jeff Goldblum. Definitely one of my favorite movies, but yeah, it's an emotional one. It's not a light, funny one like we've been doing with the last three movie reviews. This one actually gets, uh, it's deeper. And it talks a lot about, I don't know, I guess the potential of humankind to some degree and some of the insights that are there. Beautiful movie. I'm looking forward to reviewing that next week. All right. Awesome. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Should be a fun one. I think I did see the trailer for it. Um, so I have an idea of it's with the like the bald guy. Yeah. Yeah. And you can like see why I like it. <laughs> Good to see it. Um, sure. So right, sweet. that all said now you have questions. Uh, I do. Yeah. So I did a Q&A on Instagram, put out uh, a question box and got a bunch of questions here. So figured it would be fun to just roll through some of these. So I'll see uh, which ones we like here. Um, <clears throat> we talk about this a lot, but um, we can start here. Do you believe that you have multiple lives with the same soul? You want me to answer that first? Because I'm kind of yeah. kind of curious as to where you're going to go with this. <laughs> All right, I can start. Uh, so multiple lives with the same soul. So <clears throat> I think there is a lot uh, to unpack getting through this one. But starting with the idea that you have a soul right now. You know, we have this idea that we are inherently separate from reality that you know andrew sure and even people who believe that oh i'm a i'm a spirit experiencing a human or i'm a you know spiritual entity experiencing a human right now having this human experience it's still a divisive egotistical illusion to believe that you have a soul that is separate from all the other souls and it kind of reinforces this identity that you have and as much as you can say like oh i'm not this human i'm a spiritual being experiencing a human you still think you're a spiritual being separate from everything and you still think you are what you think you are and the thoughts that you have around this identity kind of reinforce that illusion of division that is an illusion doesn't actually exist so you don't have a soul right now so having multiple lives with the same soul, the truth of your soul is everyone else's soul. Like 
So it's all one soul that you are, but it's not that you're, you know, it's not like the whole source consciousness. I'm a fragment of source consciousness because that's still, there's still division there. Like I am, I'm source, but I'm like a fragment of source. It's like, no, you're the whole source. You're the whole thing. Like if, it, if source is a massive tapestry, you're a thread in it. So the tapestry can't be a tapestry without the threads. And you're all the threads, but you're perceiving the tapestry from, I guess, a, a localized point of view that I think is only reinforced by your belief that that's all that you are. And so it makes me wonder as you let go of that idea that you are this soul or this human separate from everything else, how much more of that tapestry you're able to tap into and see. So you're not a soul separate from anything right now, but you're everything right now. And that everything is the the soul, but it's not, it's not even a soul because that implies that it is one thing that is still could be something else. It's like there, there's no bounds to it. Being the the one soul that everyone is implies like there's there's walls or boundaries that there could be something else. There couldn't be anything else other than what you are right now. So you're all the lives that have ever been, ever will be, and are right now. And it's your idea of yourself, your idea that you're a soul separate from everything that reinforces the illusion that you even have, you know, individual, you know, I had a past life as a butcher in the 1820s. It's like, yeah, you're not wrong, but you're also all the other lives that have ever been and ever will be, including that butcher from the 1820s. So you're not wrong. It's just you have such a narrow point of view and limited idea of yourself that you think you only fit into certain things and only fit into the one that you are right now. But as you let go of that idea of yourself, of the idea that you're inherently separate, all that's left is being everything. And that that goes pretty deep. So that's uh that's where I'm starting things off, but I'll pass it over to Ryan. I have nothing to add to that at <laughs> all because either either we're all one soul or you have to change the definition of soul. Right. Like, yeah, we're all individual souls. Okay. So, what are you talking about there? Are you talking about individual streams of possibilities? Are you talking about individual, like, experiences of the observer and the observed? In which case, sure. In which case, everybody is, is a different soul, but that's not what you are. You're not the stream of possibilities. And so, again, you're left with the same realization that, okay, so all souls are really the same thing. They're all one, one at the end of the day. So, it's just semantics, right? Like, we're just, Talking about concepts, again, the idea of a soul is just an idea. It's a wonderful idea. You can think about it. You can contemplate it. But it still creates this division that's just not there. It's just not there. And it helps to remember that. I had somebody tell me once that uh, a whale was a dolphin oversoul. No, that came from uh, Bashar. That's where that came from. Somebody had shared that as an insight from Bashar and that one made me laugh admittedly just the idea of an oversoul dear god yeah it's just I mean but it makes sense that someone like Bashar would have a narrative like that because he relies on the division that is perceived between 
him and the you know alien entity that he taps into it's like there has to be and and therefore you know he's special because he's able to tap into it and and express those insights and really like all this shit just comes down to feeling special like i've talked to people about having past lives and they say oh i i had this such a clear experience of of a past life and it's just rooted in them wanting to feel special because they don't feel special as they are. So they're trying to add something to themselves that makes them different from everyone else. It's like, oh, I've experienced this past life and no one else has. And it's like that person that you think hasn't experienced a past life is also you right now. But it's like, and and that idea that you can be built up by experiencing a past life and that makes you special is the same thing that tears you down when someone you know, makes fun of you or judges you. It's the same exact thing. So it's like you have to let go of the desire to feel special based on the division, the perception of division. Like as you let go of that, nothing, nothing's left but feeling special all the time. But it's just because you know that there's nothing that could add or take away from that specialness because you're it. Like you're literally all of it. And we have this limited idea of feeling special because like we're able to bump ourselves up one step and it's like, you're the whole fucking staircase. Like, that's what you are. Let go of the idea that you're just one step. I think it's really funny given our conversation at the beginning of this episode slash live stream and the insight that you had about force, ego, intention and all of that. It's really going to drive you nuts seeing people put themselves on a pedestal now it's really going to start to grate on you when when you see people selling snake oil for their own benefit because you can see it clearly but only when you're willing to see it in yourself right that that's what's so important about that like you can't recognize people who are manipulative until you can recognize how to manipulate which means recognizing a little bit that you can't right and the more that you recognize you can the more you see other people doing it Right, because you're willing to accept that that's something you would do, that it's a possibility. But when you deny it as something that's even possible within you, you almost miss it all the time and everyone else until after the fact. And then you can't understand it because you can't understand why you would do it. Yeah, I mean, that's how it's got to be, though. You have to be able to see that you could possibly do it or else you won't be able to see the reality of it. And that can be a tough pill to swallow at first, but I think long-term that's the only way that you grow and learn and, and shift and change and actually have empathy for people, not from this like hierarchy, like I'm above them type empathy, but actual empathy, seeing that you could act the same way and seeing why they would do that and the pitfalls of it, but not hyper-focusing on that and trying to change them and trying to get them to avoid the pitfalls because if you're not there, they're just going to fall into the same pitfalls and it's going to reinforce the idea that they can't do it themselves. And that's not going to actually allow them to build faith in themselves. So yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's really interesting, but again, like recognizing that somebody like Bashar, somebody like Teal Swan, Abraham Hicks, any of them, recognizing that they benefit so much from that illusion that they've actually learned to survive off that illusion in selling it to others that the chances of them questioning it or letting it go are slim to none 
And that's okay, because at least they're causing some ripples, right? It's true, there is still that, that undercurrent of, uh, of shit underneath that, that can hurt us, or rather cause unintended consequences, but that's again, because they're not willing to question it within themselves. And so that would be my only beef with channelers and, and spiritual snake oil and people like, you know, our friend Phil Goodlife, right? There's just, there's a lack of sincerity or rather there's a, there's a limit to that sincerity. And that limit is I'm benefiting here. This is how I like looking at myself. That's why it's so important to just never feel better about yourself via or, or by virtue of any of this, any of this conversation doesn't make you a better person because you were never a lesser person, right? That's really the insight. Like none of this makes you better. It just changes your experience. That's the reward in itself. That's it. Like there's nothing else you need to, to milk out of that. If you're free, you don't fucking care if anybody else gets it. Right? That's important because that's when they're going to look at you and go, why don't you care? And that's what's going to inspire them to start to wonder, like, can I do that? Can I stop caring? Because that's the hell. That's the prison. Right? So, yeah, it's just about you. Enjoying yourself. Questioning yourself. Never trying to feel more important. Because in doing so, you're admitting that you were convincing yourself you were less important to begin with. You don't have to do that. No, you do not. Because it's rooted in the same sort of illusion. So, all right, got another question. This one's juicy. I think you might like it. <laughs> uh, where do you and Ray stand on body positivity? I'm going to throw this over to Ray first. I'm pretty positive I have a body. I'm not sure what that means. Um, I think it's important. I, okay. Okay. There's a lot of different ways we can talk about this. The way that's generally talked about this is how your body looks. I think that's secondary, if not tertiary, to the problem, which is your appreciation of it, of the fact that you have one and that it's your vehicle for, for experiencing this life. I think that if you don't perceive your body with a certain degree of importance, just in, it, in the fact that it's, again, your vehicle for experiencing this life, you're probably not going to take care of it too much, or, or rather the degree with which you take care of it is going to be lessened because you just, you're not thinking about it. So I think that's, that's one of the most important things. It's not body positivity so much as body appreciation. I like existing. This thing's going to keep me going for as long as it possibly can. And not every model of this works out as well so i'll take what i've got despite you know the kinks and the the defects that might have come built in i'm going to make the most out of it because at least it's not worse so not positivity appreciation that all said it is nice to appreciate how you look but that has nothing to do with how you look i think that's really important to remember because we were talking about you know dysphoria gender dysphoria, body dysphoria, things like that. Um, if you have an opinion on your body and it's based on your self-image or the need to self-validate, that's a whole. 
that's unfortunately something that's hard to crawl out of because you're associating something that's going to change over time as something that is, I guess, sustainable. Like the idea that, oh, if I look good now, if I think I look good now, that's going to define my value. Right. Until when? Until when? Until you change? Until society around you changes and doesn't appreciate your particular fashion sense anymore or, or you get older and your face starts to change? Right? Maybe an accident happens and it disfigures you. What then? Right? So none of these things had anything to do with your value whatsoever. Whatsoever. So if you are looking at your body negatively, recognize that it's largely because you think it reflects your value and that it's not just, again, your vehicle for experiencing this life. Right? It's the perspective of our body. It's kind of like our perspective of clothes. Right? Do these look good? I don't know. Are you naked? Is it cold? There's a difference in, in priority. What are you looking for? Because that's going to dictate what negative and positive mean to you, right? Like if you're looking for a certain thing that can never be delivered, you're always going to be struggling with negativity. Right? Your body will never, ever, ever be a source of value, regardless of how other, other people might perceive it as such. They're only perceiving it, as, uh, perceiving it as such because they perceive themselves that way. And that is also a whole. Don't believe them either. They don't know what they're talking about. They're just desperate, right? And so that all said, try not to have an opinion on your body. If I'm going to recommend anything, leave your poor body alone. Stop judging it. Stop trying to feel better about it or worse about it. Just take care of it. It's yours. Right? Just take care of it for you and understand that you could be drop-dead gorgeous physically. That doesn't mean somebody's not going to look at you and go, ugh, because of their own life experiences, perhaps with somebody who was gorgeous and a complete asshole, right? Because it's not just about how you look. That's, once again, just a superficial view, right? So depth. Depth in yourself will help with this problem. Trying to address the problem, though, just reinforces it. The more you're trying to feel better about your body, the more you're giving in to the opinion about your body that's actually creating this hell. Well said. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. I think just to reinforce that there's a, there's a degree, as Ray said, of appreciation to a point. I think it's like appreciation and then there's sort of a line that you cross where you're using it to derive value or, or think that it means something about you. It's like that's when you start having to be careful because when you go beyond just appreciating it for the vehicle that it is and, and being able to use utilize it and function in this reality, once you cross over and start thinking that it means anything about your value, you start to get on you know, very fragile, get into very fragile territory because there's no control over how that value is going to be or how that perception of it is going to be perceived by anyone outside of you. You have this idea of the way you think it should look or the way that you think someone else should perceive it. Even, even if you don't see yourself as beautiful or attractive or perfect if you're so locked into that but that everyone should accept your body as the way it is 
and kind of needing that validation despite knowing that you're not taking care of it as well as you could, like that's very fragile territory too. It's like any time you go past that, just appreciating it for the vehicle that it is and expect people to respond to it in a certain way, again, having expectations is going to lead to suffering and disappointment. So as soon as you cross that line going beyond just the appreciation and thinking that it means anything about you, whether a message you're trying to send, you know, your value is derived from people saying you're attractive or, you know, even, even I guess going to the point of thinking that you're unattractive and, and it's, it's kind of the same type of coin and it's going to add inevitably add suffering to your life because no one's going to respond exactly how you want them to respond all the time. And it's always going to be something that you're thinking about and it's going to take up mental space and, and take up even just fucking time out of your day, trying to look a certain way for everyone else, because you think that it means anything about your, your worth or value. So just mind that line where it goes beyond just appreciating it for the functionality that it has, thinking that it means anything about your value because it never does. Well said. Absolutely. We have a question in the comments, and I really want you to address this question because we were actually talking about it the other day, and I'm curious as to your thoughts now. They were asking, is this solipsism? And what's the difference between solipsism and oneness. Now we talked about solipsism before being the idea that there's nothing but your awareness. But if you listen to how that sounds, it makes it sound like we're talking about Andrew. Right? So how is this not solipsism? Um, so I think the fundamental difference is that in solipsism, you see everything as you being the idea of you recognizing Oneness is seeing everything as you, which is never something that could be an idea or a concept because the reality of what you are is never what you think you are. So I think solipsism is very much caught up in the egotistical mentality of thinking that, you know, I'm Andrew and everyone else is Earth, like a, an iteration of Andrew. So it's all me, like the egotistical identity me as opposed to i'm not andrew andrew is a iteration of the truth of what i am but it's just a name and anything about that idea and concept is never going to be the reality of what i am so i'm not the thing that i think i am and no one is the thing that i think they are and therefore it's all the same not the thing that i think it is and that's where the oneness comes in. It's not that it's the thing that I think it is and everything's that thing that I think it is. Nothing is the thing that I think it is, including myself. And therefore, everything's the same thing being not the thing that I think it is. Oh, I hope you get that as a clip because that was fantastic for sure. I always like looking at it this way. So let's say, let's say it, we're talking about solipsism. For, for you, the person asking this question. So you are the only thing that exists in the solipsism view. It's just you. And if you close your eyes and you imagine 
anyone, they all exist within your awareness. If you open your eyes, you're looking at the screen and you're seeing Andrew and I, we only exist by virtue of you. This is all about you and your awareness. Everything in reality that could possibly exist, exists by virtue of your imagination. Even the room you're sitting in, even the chair you're sitting on. Now here's the fun part. That's also true for everyone else. So as much as they're within your awareness, your body, your narrative, your character is within their awareness. And that's true for everyone. So yes, it's solipsism if it's true for everyone, that we are all only within each other's awareness, that we are all existing by virtue of everybody else's existence. We exist because we can. Yeah, it's a, it's a trippy one when you recognize it. And I guess the idea too, that there is no way to prove that anything outside of that exists, you know, and, and but that's the same for everyone. Cause anyone tells you like, no, I definitely exist. Like that's exactly what someone would say. Who's trying to convince me that they exist when they actually don't or anything, you know, before or after, you know, my life, you know, history and everything. We've talked about that. It's all hearsay. There's not necessarily proof and anything, you know, oh, there's artifacts, there's all that stuff. It's like, doesn't actually prove it a hundred percent points to it, but yeah, that's a, that's a trippy one. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's exactly like a dream. Any character in the dream is the dreamer. Yeah. And it's just like our idea. That's been, that's been an interesting one because I've been having very vivid dreams recently and I'm just seeing them as experiences, you know, not trying to derive any meaning from it, but it's been every night for the last month, pretty much that I have very vivid dreams and I'm, I'm just seeing them as an experience, just another experience, just like this as an experience. And they're usually just, it's not that I have control of it in the sense that people perceive like lucid dreams to be, oh, you can do anything, you can fly and whatnot. And I think there's a degree of that that's available. You know, the more I let go of thinking that I'm just this in this dream, it's like there, there's kind of crossover there. And it makes me wonder like what's possible in that. But yeah, I mean, what's telling me that this isn't, a dream just like that is my attachment to the story of Andrew pretty much is, is what it comes down to, which is, you know, expressed in so many different ways being, you know, early in the call talking about my expectation of someone listening to what I'm saying. It's like listening to what Andrew's saying, because I have this idea of Andrew trying to validate and prove, and that's taking me further from the reality of what I am taking me deeper into the illusion of division, thinking that I am, this thing that's separate from everything and not the dreamer and the dream, but, but just this, you know, minuscule identity that's separate from everything. It's so funny. Everything's just counterintuitive. It's like, how do I change things? You are changed. There's nothing else to do except stop getting in your own way. Right. But 
it's that thing that our mind does. And somebody communicated this in uh, one of our groups, actually. And to anybody listening, we have a free public group every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. You can join that by just going to dualisticunity.com slash free events. Um, but what, once we start to understand this is all counterintuitive, it's like a finger puzzle, right? You can't pull to get out. You actually have to do the opposite of what your brain is telling you. We do this weird thing where we're like, okay, I just need to try and relax. But trying is effort. That's not relaxing. You're trying. So it's totally the opposite of what you want to believe it is. You can't try to be yourself. Anything you're trying to do is not being yourself. <laughs> right? And that's the point, is relaxing into it. It's, it's always the exact opposite of what our egotistical controlling brain wants to do. How do I force this to happen? Force what to happen? Existence? Already happening. Yeah, it's so funny how we get caught up in that in that loop of trying to relax, trying to be ourselves, trying to cause change as opposed to just recognizing that it's already happening and we don't have to think that we have to do something in order to make things happen or, or like do something in order to be ourself. Like everything that, that is done in an attempt to do something is reinforcing the issue that you're trying to get past through doing the thing that you're trying to do. It's all so counterintuitive and half-assed backwards. Like always, you can't try to be yourself because you're just trying to be an idea and you're never an idea. Yourself is not a concept or an idea. You can't try to relax because you're just trying to do something. It's another idea. Your idea of relaxation isn't relaxation. <laughs> relaxation is what's left when you stop trying to do anything or get anywhere other than where you are. Same for experiencing peace. It's letting go of trying to be at peace. You're trying to be at peace. You're trying to do something. And that's not peace. Peace is what's left when you stop trying to do anything. So it's like these things arise when we let go of trying to be or get anywhere other than where we are and what we are. That's all it comes down to, really. Yeah. And how does that make me feel more valuable? Where's the journey in that? It's always so funny. How are we doing on questions? You got any more? Yes, I do. Let's... Uh... I always enjoy this, by the way. Questions are fun, by the way. Anybody who's here, if you're in the comment section, ask away. We'll try and get to as many of them as we can, but we are going to be continuing after this at the top of the hour on Patreon. So you can join us there in a group discussion, face-to-face, -face, talk to us. We talk to our community five days a week. It's probably my favorite part of doing this podcast as a whole. So if you can join us there, we would love to see you. The conversations get so in-depth they become uh, an opportunity for Andrew and I to learn as much as anyone else and so I can't recommend it enough honestly and if you can't join us for Patreon that's fine again free public group every Wednesday at 6 p.m eastern time all you have to do is register on the website dualisticunity.com and and registration is totally free oh yeah all right question um this will probably be more on your end uh because i don't have kids but best way to live free mentally with kids 
That's a really good question. I just had a moment of shock. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think the best way to live free mentally is to understand that there is no such thing as the parent you envision that you're supposed to be. We're always trying to live up to this idea of what it is to be a good father or mom. And the fact is, is that that's not a thing. Like father and mom as a role, as a concept doesn't actually exist. There is no cookie cutter template of what a good parent is. What a good parent really is, is a human being who's self-honest and has some degree of integrity, who's honestly just trying to work on themselves and cause as little conflict as possible. A good parent is a good human being. And I don't mean good as opposed to bad, but good as in terms of working on the path of self-awareness, working on their own growth, prioritizing their existence and, and the connection that they have with those around them building sensitivity as long as you're on that path and you're not trying to define yourself with concepts you're always going to find a way to empathize with your kid doesn't mean you're always going to do what they want you to do that's not empathy but when you are making decisions that they don't appreciate or when you are making decisions that they can't possibly understand you're not going to judge yourself just because they're not happy with you that takes a lot of the weight off likewise you're not going to judge yourself when you see other parents doing things differently because they're, they have different kids and they're different people. So if, if I was going to say anything, it would be get rid of the idea you have of what you're supposed to be and just really pay attention to what you are and the role that you're in. Aside from that, and this is purely my own opinion, be willing to sacrifice yourself for at least the first 10 years of your kid's life. If you had a kid, just put yourself aside for 10 years. I know it's hard, I get. You're gonna to wanna to go out and have some of your old life, I get. You're gonna to wanna to go out and do some of the things you, you, that you used to do. But if you focus on yourself now, it's to the detriment of your child who's growing up. That doesn't mean you can't go out. What I'm saying is don't prioritize your wants and needs for the next 10 years. You had a kid, this is a chance for you to prioritize someone else. And you'll learn a lot from doing so. It's not gonna be easy, but you'll learn a lot from doing so. And it's only 10 years. Again, after that, you'll start to have more space. They'll be growing up into their own. You'll be able to have more time for yourself because they won't need you as much, right? So that there's that nice transition that happens that way. But, and again, that's not an expectation. I'm not saying you must do this, but I'm saying if you can, in your mind, just, just determine that for the next 10 years, you're committed to putting this being first in the same way that you wish that somebody would have done for you. Because I promise you do. Yeah, I, I don't have a ton to add to that because I don't have experience having kids, but I think letting go of the word should and in in a bunch of different facets can help in your life but also with kids and it's it's the idea you know for those first 10 years thinking that you should have more free time than you do it's like that's just your idea of the way you think things should be and then on the on the other end of it thinking that you should be a better parent than you are or or that you should 
act a certain way because you see yourself in a certain role when you are with them. It's like letting go of that idea that there's a right way to be a parent too, and more so just see yourself as, as Ray said, just like another human being with them and, and recognize that you, know, you just have a little bit more experience than them, but they see you in a very specific way as well. And it's not to say that you discount the role as the parent, but you also don't have to reinforce that you're the parent and therefore they have to see you in another way. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, with, I'm not going to get into like disciplinary stuff or anything, but just reaffirming to them when they get caught up in seeing you in a certain way that you're just a human also. That's debatable, but in this situation, you know, you're a human also, just like them. You are what they are. That's all that's important. Absolutely. Um, We have another question here, and it's in the same vein of what we were talking about in terms of uh, solipsism. And I wanted to address this quickly. Okay, so is there infinite reincarnations? Will I see life through the eyes of everyone who ever existed? Here's the fun part. You are right now. You're just focused on a very small experience of yourself based on a limited self-image that you're holding on to. There's more inside you right now than you're aware of. And I say inside you, but that's not accurate either because there's no inside or outside. There's just you. But just remember that. It's, it's not about getting to a point where you see all these things. Because again, death, death is the end of time. There's nothing to see. Right? Everything exists at once, but you need the perception of time and separation to experience it. So this is that experience. This is it. Enjoy it. You don't want to see everything at once. Right? The more you can see now, the bigger your awareness becomes. Just ride that out before you try and eat the whole pie. Yeah, appreciate the perception of division. Because if you do, you know, go that route and and imagine experiencing everything, you know, all at once, like everything means everything. It's not your preference of everything. You know, it's not, it's not like, Ooh, I gotta, I gotta be this person and that person. I gotta be this like celebrity that I love and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you also are the person on the verge of, of death starving in the desert. And you're also the worst of the worst of all of humanity and the best of the best of all of humanity. So everything means everything. It means every every degree on the entire spectrum of all emotions, all experiences, all of it. And to experience all of that at once, it's like there's no, can't even really comprehend it or or do anything with it because you're just it. Like there's no in that there's no perception of you or illusion of you as separate from anything. So it's like, I don't think you can even move in that state because movement. Why would you? Yeah. Like, and you couldn't because movement requires perception of you and your environment, the perception of division between that. So you can move 
through your environment. If you're all of it, it's like there's nowhere to go, which is also the case now, but you have the ability to perceive yourself going somewhere, which is, which is dope. So yeah, I think getting caught up in that desire, it's like the further you relax into what you already are and be where you're at and accept yourself for what you are, the more that goes a lot deeper than you might think. And you may see some closer to some degrees of that idea of what you have of experiencing more stuff, but it's not from going outside yourself. It's just from deepening into the recognition that you're already all of it. And so you don't have to go outside yourself to see that. Yeah, no, there is no point I want to get to. I just want to mention that very quickly. I'm very excited about existence as a whole. That's the funniest part about this mentality is you spend all your life trying to be something you recognize you're never going to be that concept because concepts aren't reality. And then you start to recognize how much you are already. There's nowhere else to go. It's just how deep into your vastness would you like to go? And that comes down to your willingness to let go, pay attention, relax into yourself. There's nowhere to get to, to do that. There's no state that you're going to reach where you're going to be more infinite than you are right now. The only thing that changes is your focus. The only thing that changes is your need, let's just say. But there is no point that I, as a character, Ray, am striving to get to. There's nowhere else to go. It's just how much do I want to get into where I am now or what I am now, both of which don't really apply. Language is fun that way. But uh, yeah, just just relax. Just relax. Be willing to question everything that you think is real. Be willing to question everything that you hold on to for the sake of false certainty. And you'll see more and more of what's in there. But take your time with that because it can be jarring. It can knock you off your feet for sure. There's a lot, way more than we tend to admit to ourselves based on our limited self-image. Remember that. There's a lot of limits that go with even identifying as human. Back to you, Andrew. Any other questions? Uh, yes. No, that was well said. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I got a, got a good one here. I feel that since I am on this self-development path, it is so hard to fit in with people. How do you feel? So <clears throat> I think yes and no. And I think so when when you're on like the spiritual path or spiritual journey or you know letting go of things like there's so many different ways like you can be on a super egotistical spiritual journey oftentimes people are and i think oh, one ah uh, fuck hold on this happens occasionally. And to anybody who's thinking of hosting a podcast, if you have a frog in your throat, just work on it, get it out. We don't mind waiting because of course we are your loving audience. Yeah. All right. Uh, I cleared that out. Um, so I think people can get caught up in building rather than letting go of the idea of themselves, of building another idea of themselves. And as they see themselves in a certain way and they see everyone else in a certain way, they, 
kind of create this perception of of division a further perception of division and it's like they feel like they can't they're like oh i can't relate to anyone i can't talk about that shallow stuff anymore because you know i'm you know on the path to enlightenment and so all you're doing is going further from the reality of what you are which is never what you think you are but if you're deepening into that it's like you're going to create another narrative for yourself and then see yourself in a certain way that can't relate to anyone i think as you let go more and more of the idea of yourself there's less care for what people are going to how people are going to perceive you or what they're going to think of you so there's like a, a natural separation that happens but it's not from you thinking of yourself in a certain way and them thinking of themselves in a certain way and you being like oh i can't interact with these people cuz i'm you know getting closer to enlightenment it's like you're clearly still perceiving a lot of division between yourself and those people and if enlightenment is letting go of the idea of yourself and recognizing that you're never what you think you are then there's no one left to be enlightened and so anytime you're holding on to the idea of yourself as something that's becoming enlightened you're taking yourself further from the reality of what it is and that's going to promote this this furthering of division between yourself and everyone else and and hinder your ability to interact with them and so as you let go more and more of the idea of yourself it's like you may not bring up certain topics as much anymore but that in no way me means that you can't interact with those topics in the same way that people want to discuss and talk about and it can almost be a practice in letting go of your opinion of you know this being a conscious conversation or an unconscious conversation because if you still are holding on to those preferences of the type of people you can and can't relate to it's like you're just perceiving more and more division between yourself and everyone else and deepening into those preferences promotes the idea of yourself because opinions preferences they all reinforce the idea of you as something separate so you can almost use situations as a practice in appreciating the situation for what it is and and letting go of your idea of the type of thing that you want to talk about or not want to talk about because again that's just reinforcing the story of you based on your wants and desires and opinions and so anytime those come up it's an opportunity to let them go and let go more and more of the idea of yourself which is the reality of the quote unquote path that you're on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't have anything to add to that except again, like sometimes there's value in conversations that you don't see value in. And so just have them if you're having them. That said, there's also value in recognizing where you just don't want to be part of that conversation. And that's okay too. But the resistance is really what kicks you in the butt. It makes it very hard to empathize with people. And it's always important to remember that you are those people, that you were, in fact, in those in that mentality or something very close to it at some point, regardless of how egotistical it was. I guarantee it. We all go through it. That's part of our development. Children become egotistical. We go through that, and then we come out of it. So 
sometimes it takes longer than others to come out of it. Don't judge yourself or others based on that. If you can be there. And, and if you can't be there without saying something or putting them down, put some distance until you can, right? Recognize why you're doing it. You know, it's definitely not for them, even though you might feel it is, it's often not, right? Which doesn't mean that you should change what you're going to say to them, but definitely change or, or look at the intentions behind it. Look at the intentions behind it. I'm not one for small talk either. I'll admit that to the point though, that if somebody has the, like if somebody has the tendency of, of just talking small talk, like the weather, for example, one of the most common conversations is talking about the weather. I'll take that and run with it. I'm not waiting for them to have a deep conversation. I'm always in a deep conversation with myself and my existence. So I take that with me into any conversation I'm having, not to the point of building a gap between me and them, but finding a bridge. Because it may be an insight that has nothing to do with God or unity or anything you're used to talking about, but has something specifically to do with the thing they just communicated to you. It could be a small insight. Just getting them to be enthusiastic about sharing an insight. That's enough. That's the beginning of a bridge. Yeah, definitely. It, it As you let go and become more free in yourself, it's like you can have more fun with the conversations. You don't feel a need to fit the mold of the conversation in the direction they want to go, but you can roll with the conversation that they're having and take it in a direction that you want to go because you're just as capable of doing that as they are of staying, if you want to go into the deep end and they want to stay in the shallow end, it's like, doesn't mean that they, that you have to stay in the shallow end. You can go there and kind of see what happens, but not have an expectation of them to go along with you also. So, yeah. Yeah. Just enjoy the swim. Exactly. All right. Uh, I think we got time for one last question. Um, all right. What is the legacy that you want to leave on this planet? Oh, you go first. <laughs> uh, so uh, again, there's there's a uh, uh, there's like a misconception that I'm not the planet in this statement, that I'm something on the planet. And so, but at the same time, there is still a way to answer this, but it's not that I want something to happen. And okay, before I get into that, I want to talk about legacy a little bit, because I think that is sort of our ability to, or our attempt to be eternal through the egotistical idea of ourself is how I see legacy rather than recognizing that beyond the idea of ourself, beyond the limited idea of what we think we are, we are eternal. It's like, oh, I'm going to you know, create this empire. It's going to live on past I die to leave my legacy. And then, you know, I'll have my name engraved and have this statue built and then I'll, you know, live on forever. And it's just as fragile of an idea as, you know, the idea that you hold on to of yourself right now. So I, I see legacy very much as the egotistical and the ego's attempt at becoming eternal. And so the legacy, I guess, I would like to leave on this planet is for people to recognize that their desire to leave a legacy is not a reality, like because they're not what they think they are. 
the legacy that they leave has nothing to do with what they think they are. And everything you do leaves a mark on eternity. Like it echoes every action that you take every single day, every conversation that you have, every interaction that you have, every smile that you give someone on the street echoes in eternity. So I don't have any idea of what legacy I would like to leave on this planet because everything I do leaves a mark on it. So it's it's a constant thing that's happening. It's not like I build this thing that then is, you know, my legacy starts when when I die. It's like you're leaving a legacy right now on eternity, on everything that's ever been. And that makes every interaction that you have a lot more exciting and enjoyable because you're like, fuck, this is going to echo in eternity. This right here is going to leave a ripple in all of reality for all of eternity forever. So everything you do, the way you brushed your teeth this morning leaves a legacy, leaves an imprint on reality. And it, it allows you to recognize that you don't have to hold on to or, or f- almost fear have have this idea of legacy rooted in fear and like, oh, I hope I leave a legacy or I hope I leave a positive legacy. It's like you have a billion infinite opportunities today to leave a legacy that's going to echo in all of eternity. So what are you going to do with it? And And seeing that, so I guess just like recognizing the weight of everything that you do in... Kind of an, I don't know, it gets me excited when I recognize that it's not meant to be like this heavy burden of like, oh, I can't, you know, I don't know, this is going to leave a legacy on, on eternity and, and like kind of fear it. It's like that mentality then is also leaving a legacy on eternity. You know, we're always, we are reality. So everything we do is adding to that reality and shifting it and changing it as we change and shift and grow. So I'm always leaving a legacy. Everything I do is leaving a legacy, but my idea of the legacy that I want to leave is never going to be the reality of the legacy I want to leave and holding on to it is only going to hinder my ability to actually leave a more impactful impact on on reality. That's all I got. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting the idea of legacy because again it ties to to you, your importance, right? Like Nothing I, I'm doing now, I think, should have anything to do with the character named Ray. It would make me very happy in a hundred years' time for people to still be having this conversation and never remember that there was somebody named Ray that had anything to do with it. That would be just fine because the important part is the conversation. And so I don't look at legacy as as a long-term thing or anything that has anything to do with the future, much like Andrew is just communicating. What I'm doing now is really enough for me you know this is something that became true when i woke up and i started looking around for for gurus and teachers and a path to follow or or some wisdom to to rely on and and you didn't find any there wasn't any there right not not anything that was relevant or alive right not something that wasn't a thousand or more years old and dead and so the realization was that well it has to be on me and it has to be for right now it has to be for right now. It can't be for something in the future. It has to be for the sake of my experience in the here and now. And so to me, that's all that's important. And the deeper into that I get, the different, uh, the, the more the ripples change, 
right? To the point where now I'm having a conversation where you, dear listener, are, are taking in any of this, using it to your own ability. So if I was going to say anything, I would say, if there is any legacy that I'm leaving, because I don't think it's me leaving it so much as you leaving it, it that's the point. It's you. Right? If there's a legacy, it's you and the ripples that you're creating from this because we're creating them together. And we always have been, except now we're just a little bit more aware of it. And as Andrew said perfectly, the ripples we create together echo through everything. Everything. So I think if there's a legacy, it's whatever this discussion is. It's not even about me or, or any of the participants so much as the mentality that we all get to participate in and explore and watch grow and experience as it changes everything. Amen. And being able to enjoy it while you're, while you're doing it right now, because it's, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, this was, this is a fun little live stream we got going here i enjoy i love doing the the q a and the questions really gets the uh the Me thought too. patterns going uh yeah so that that was fun i think we'll definitely incorporate that into more future and we i liked how we kind of got like first half was just talking like we normally do and then you know got into some questions after that i think it worked out pretty well yeah well and it's fun right like we address our end of things, get our own distortion out of the way. And then we can start talking about other questions with a degree more clarity. But I think people miss that. It's like, you go into it, I'm going to answer some questions today. It's like, right, but are you distorted? Are you working through some shit? And I think it's really important that people recognize, yeah, of course, and we're in this just as much as you are. We're literally in this just as much as you are. <laughs> because we are you so no this has been a blast uh we are of course taking a break now for the new year's weekend we will be back on monday you can join us uh 11 o'clock eastern time again on twitch.tv slash dualistic unity we're going to be continuing on patreon in 15 minutes so we'd love to see you there if you can join us and if not have an epic weekend awesome bye everyone